You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I'm Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to talk about two things that you mix together in your life. They're always with you. You never live without them, and they affect how you live your life for the Lord. Those two things are suffering and sovereignty. They always run in our lives. They run parallel. One is on top of the other. One is always dominating the other. And that's the big question that I want that I want to ask you in this podcast. Which one manages your life more? The suffering that you're going through or the sovereignty of God? I titled the podcast When You Mix Suffering and Sovereignty in Your Life, What Do You Get? Now everybody has a different answer for this because every story is unique, every narrative is different. And so when you mix your suffering with God's sovereignty, what comes out of the oven? Is it Christ-likeness or is it something else? Perhaps you would like to talk about this. I, I would love to talk with you. We have a place where you can do that. You can come to our forums where we never turn anyone away. We'd love to chat with you. Make sure you got your username and, and password. There was someone uh, coming from Singapore today that uh, I think it was Singer, Singapore or Saudi Arabia. I can't remember, but we get a lot of people from around the world, and, and they said I, I I couldn't log in. And, of course, the reason that they couldn't log in is because they didn't have their username and password. So you need to get that first. Is free. There's no charge for that. And so get your username and password, and then you can talk to us. Well, what that person did is that they realized that they had never received their username and password, and so the individual signed up, and then they asked their question on the forum, and that is exactly how it it works. The podcast and the article, if you want to share either one or both of them, when you mix suffering and sovereignty into your life. The big question is not just what you get, but how are you living with those two ingredients Suffering is the expected ordinary life for Christians living as aliens in a fallen world. You are an alien. If you are a believer, now perhaps you're not a Christian, and I know that is possible because of the reach of our ministry. We do talk to a lot of people who aren't believers, and maybe you maybe you aren't. Maybe God has never regenerated you. You've never been born again then this is your place. This is planet Earth. This is your home, and it is all that you have. But those who have been born a second time, they are Christians, and this Earth is not their place. They have another home. They are pilgrims. They are strangers passing through this land. And because of that, they suffer. This is not where they are supposed to live ultimately. And so they're living in a fallen world, and suffering is the expected and ordinary life for all of us who name the name of Christ. Now, God knew this, which is why he equipped us to live as victors while engaging the realities of fallenness. There are many verses that communicate this, but in 2 Peter 1.3 is an excellent one that you know. Peter said this, he said, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so we have the ability through the strength of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the divine power uh, to live a life of godliness on this alien place where God has us. But I know that everybody's listening to this. You're all in a different place. For some of you, the suffering is rather severe right now, and it's been going on for a long time. 
many of you have been suffering. I know some of you personally that you have talked to me that you your suffering has been going on for decades. Some of you have just been ushered into the crucible of suffering, and your suffering is is more new to you, but it's difficult. Other others of you are doing okay, but you still know you have a unique suffering. It is custom fitted to your back. The Lord deals with all of us in a customized way. The suffering and the troubles that I have are not for you, and yours aren't for me. Uh, God looks at you, and he gives you exactly what you need so that he can mature you into the person that he wants you to be. And so nobody has your story, and nobody can carry your burden. You have to deal with the uniqueness of your life daily now, the good news is, is that we have many fellow strugglers who have gone before us, and they have left their thoughts to, to help us in our journey. And I want to share some of their wisdom with you. I'm going to quote two people specifically in this podcast, Samuel Rutherford and Charles Spurgeon. Perhaps you've heard of at least Charles Spurgeon, I imagine, and possibly Samuel Rutherford, but I want to share some quotes. I want to have Samuel Rutherford speaking on this idea of suffering, and then I want to have Charles Spurgeon speaking on this idea of sovereignty. And what I hope we can do in this podcast is, is that you can mix it together and see how you're doing with your suffering as you are resting in the Lord's sovereignty. And so let me jump into this, and let's see what happens. Here are four quotes from Samuel Rutherford. He said, You will not get leave to steal quietly to heaven in Christ's company without a conflict and a cross. Isn't that profound? In years of counseling, one of the things that I've run into over and over again is that Christians don't have a sound theology of suffering. Suffering in their life discomfits them more than any other thing. And Samuel Rutherford is, is, Rutherford is telling us that you will not get leave to steal quietly to heaven in Christ's company without a conflict or a cross. He says, Oh, what I owe, or what owe I to the file, to the hammer, to the furnace of my Lord Jesus. He's speaking from a positive perspective of what he owes to the file, to the hammer, to the furnace of his Lord. He understands that the Lord has brought this custom-fitted difficulty into his life, and through that he is learning to walk into, in the steps of his Savior, the Lord Jesus. As Peter told us in Second Peter that we are to follow in his path of suffering, and Samuel Rutherford realizes that as he says, Oh, what owe I to the file, to the hammer, to the furnace, of my Lord Jesus. And then he said, why should I be alarmed at the plow of my Lord that makes deep furrows on my soul? I know he is no idle husbandman. He purposes a crop. Do you see how he has mixed suffering and sovereignty into that quote? Listen to it again. What should I, why should I 
Be alarmed at the plow of my Lord that makes deep furrows on my soul. There is the suffering. And then he says in his next sentence, I know he is no idle husbandman. He purposes a crop, and there is the sovereignty. And so as you're going through your difficult situation, whatever it may be, please, yes, acknowledge the suffering in your life. Don't dismiss it or try to mask it or bury it as though it's not real. Understand it and embrace it and engage it and and talk to your friends about what the Lord is doing, but always make sure Make sure that God's sovereignty is superintending over the suffering that he is permitting in your life. And if you have difficulty doing this, then by all means, let's get help. I know how hard that is. There are times, there really are times in your life where you would like to get up off the mat. There are times when you realize that what I'm saying is true, but you just can't appropriate the grace of God in your life to where sovereignty is managing your suffering. You have it the other way around. Suffering is managing your life. And there are moments like that, and I don't want you to to be so discouraged or despondent that you won't reach out for help. I've been in that place before. I remember telling one of my professors in in my undergrad work that, you know, it would be great to walk in the victory that Jesus offers us, but I'm just not feeling it right now. I just can't get up off the mat, and he understood, and he was patient with me, and that's exactly what you need, and we would love to help you if you're not at that place to where sovereignty is triumphing, triumphing over your suffering. And so with these quotes in mind, I want to Uh, ask you a few questions. I have four questions that I want you to reflect upon. And again, you can go to this podcast if you wish, the article. You can read everything that I'm sharing with you right now. And you can copy these quotes and you can meditate on them and just spend time with the Lord as you think about this article. This podcast is titled, When You Mix Suffering and Sovereignty into Your Life. Question number one, are you more earth-centered than heaven-centered? Now, maybe you don't know the answer to that question. Maybe that's a difficult question for you to get your mind around. If it is, perhaps you can ask someone else. As they think about your life and how you live your life, What do they say? Do you have a friend that would be that honest with you? Are you more earth-centered or heaven-centered? One of the ways that you can answer that question is by answering the next one. The second question is, how often do you overthink or over-worry your problems? If you're overthinking or over-worrying your problems, then eternity. Uh, Heaven is not guiding you primarily. You're more ensconced in this earth and what is happening in the here and now. And you need a solution for overthinking and overworrying your problems. Question number three, do you live as though this life is all that you have? You see how the questions are progressing? And so you can answer my first question by answering the next two. The first question, are you more earth-centered than heaven-centered? The second question, how often do you overthink and overworry your problems? The third question, do you live as though this life is all you have? And the follow-up is, how does eternity bring hope and calmness to your soul? That's one of the purposes of eternity in the here and now is that it should bring hope and calmness to our, our souls, to our minds. And then this fourth question, 
question uh, is taking a little bit of an angle. And I will explain while I'm asking you this question because this question is more about how we frustrate our relationships if we're more earth-centered than heaven-centered. The question is, do you push your relationships further than God intends because you're not happy with where you are in life or where you are with them? Do you push your relationships far? Do you manipulate them? Do you, do you frustrate your relationships because you're not content? You're not content where you are. You're not content where you are with them. Now, the purpose of my last question is because we can aggravate our relationships because they're not how we want them. If you are so earth-centered, if everything that you have is centered around earth, then what you will try to create is heaven on earth, and that is the problem. And if you try to create heaven on earth because you are earth-centered, then you will push your relationships further than God intends. You will frustrate people. Without a proper view of suffering and eternity, you, you will not embrace your alien status. You are not of this world if you are a Christian. But if you live as though this world is all that you have, you will strain your relationships. You will attempt to bend them toward your will. In many cases, you'll try to speed them up. Speed up your family, speed up your friends because they're not behaving or acting, being the way that you want them to be. You want them to be better because all you have is the here and now. You're very much earth-centered. Rather than being a gospel-centered, gospel-shaped, gospel-motivated Christian, merely passing through this world to a better place, you will aggravate your relationships with others rather than helping them in their unique struggles. But when you appropriate God's grace to your disappointment with others, His name is lifted. And those people are not manipulated to make you happy. See, everybody's on their journey. Everybody is struggling, and it would be perfect. I mean, it would be wonderful, I suppose, if you could create heaven on earth. But that's not what you're going to have in your relationships. But if you have heaven in view and, you, and it is settling in your soul to where you are experiencing contentment with God, regardless of what you're going through as an alien in this life, you won't be so manipulative. You won't feel the pressure to speed up others so that you can create this heaven on earth. Let me illustrate. I'll give you a couple illustrations of this. One, I spoke with a man who is divorced. He was grieving over not being able to see his children, and I told him that he needed to retrain his mind by setting a different goal. Do you know what goal he had? He had a nurse-centered goal. And I understand this because you do too if you're a parent. He wanted to be there with his children. He wanted to uh, pick his daughter up you know, off the ground when she fell and, and clean her knees. He wanted to teach his son how to you know, play ball. He wanted this earth-centered goal, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is that he's not going to get that because he is divorced. And rather than pining away at what he does not have, I appeal to him to reset his goal. And the new goal, and, and really the only goal that does, do you, do you know the only goal that really matters, that should matter, is heaven. The only thing that should matter with this man, this father, and his children is heaven. He wants to make sure, he needs to make sure that he cooperates with God so that his children end up in heaven even if they don't get saved until they're 86 years old. That is the primary goal. 
He will not get his best life now, but he could cooperate with the Lord in giving them the greatest gift of all, which is an eternal relationship with Jesus. And so he has to change his strategies. That's why I ask this question here. Do you push your relationships further than God intends because you're not happy with where you are in life or you're not happy where others are in their lives? Marriages are also like this. A second illustration, a spouse is not happy with with their spouse. They marry this person and then realize a big surprise. The individual is not the way they thought or the way they hoped they would be, and they were going to have heaven on earth. They were going to have their uh, live happily, happily ever after the way all marriages should, according to the brochure. But the truth is all marriages aren't that way. And sometimes the Lord gives you a person, and your primary job is to help to restore that person to Jesus, to bring that person to Jesus. And that could be the entire duration of your marriage. But if all you have is is earth and being earth-centered, then you will speed that up. You will become aggravated with your spouse because they're not being what you want them to be, and you will try to bend them to become that person, and you will be frustrated, and so will they. The first part of this podcast is on suffering. The title of the podcast, When You Mix Suffering and Sovereignty into Your Life. I read you a few quotes from Samuel Rutherford. I asked you a few reflective questions. I've given you two illustrations of how our earth-centeredness can frustrate our relationships. And now I want to talk about sovereignty. Charles Spurgeon said this. This is one of my all-time favorite quotes from him. He said, When I was coming to Christ, I thought I was doing it all myself and thought I sought the Lord earnestly. I had no idea the Lord was seeking me. I do not think the young convert is at first aware of this. I can recall the very day and hour when I first received those truths of the doctrine of election in my own soul, when they were, as John Bunyan said, burnt into my heart as with a hot iron. And I can recollect how I felt that I had grown all of a sudden from a babe into a man, that I had made progress in scriptural knowledge through having found once for all the clue to the truth of God. One week night when I was sitting in the house of God, I was not thinking much about the preacher's sermon, for I did not believe it. <laughs> I think about people listening to me. As their minds are wondering with whatever their minds are wondering about. But he said, One week I was sitting in the house of God. I was not thinking much about the preacher's sermon, for I did not believe it. The thought struck me How did you come to be a Christian? I sought the Lord. But how did you come to seek the Lord? The truth flashed across my mind in a moment. I should not have sought him unless there had been some previous influence in my mind to make me seek him. I prayed, thought I, but then I asked myself, how came I to pray? I was induced to pray by reading the scriptures. How came I to read the scriptures? I did read them, but what led me to do so? Then in a moment, I saw that God was at the bottom of it all and that he was the author of my faith. And so the doctrine of grace opened up to me, and from that doctrine I have not departed to this day. 
and I desire to make this my constant confession. I ascribe my change wholly to God. As Spurgeon began to think about how he became a believer, he was listening to the sermon. He came to uh, the church meeting. God impressed him to come. He began to think about his salvation. He began to pray, began to read the Bible. And as he began to unpack those things, he realized that God was at the bottom of it all. Sovereign God superintending over Spurgeon's life and bringing him to the place that he wanted him to be to where Spurgeon said that to this day I have not departed and I desire to make this my constant confession. I ascribe my change wholly to God. Sovereign God working in his life. No matter what you're going through, it is vital to remind your soul to anchor itself on this truth that God is at the bottom of it all. That which he has begun, he will see to the glorious end. He is working in you his functional purposes, which is to conform you to his most beloved son. The title of the podcast, When You Mix Suffering and Sovereignty in Your Life, here are a few questions that I want you to think about. When your soul is going through trouble, are you anchoring your hope in God? Do you find comfort and help in knowing that He is always there? I said earlier that you're always living in the parallel. There are two running themes in your life. There are two tracks, one on top of the other, that is always running in your life. One of those tracks is suffering. As Paul said in Philippians 1.29, For it has been given to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Jesus, in many ways, was a suffering-centered Savior. He talked about it so often, taking up your cross, dying to yourself, giving up your life. There was a smell, there was an aroma of death about the message of Christ. You hear it throughout the Gospels. And so this running theme of suffering is a part of your life. There is no way of escaping it. But the difference for the Christian the difference for the Christian is that we have a God, and the unbelieving world does not. Everybody suffers. They suffer, too, because they, too, are living in a fallen world. But we have this other rail. We have this other parallel track that is running alongside the suffering, and that is sovereignty. God is sovereignly working in our lives. He is working his functional purposes in our lives. You could say he's working our good purposes in, his, in, in our lives, which is true. But I want to frame it this way as his functional purposes because he is shaping us into a vessel that has functional usefulness in this world as we help others. And so the question that you have to ask as you're going through trouble is sovereignty managing your suffering, or is suffering managing your sovereign, God's sovereignty? If suffering is managing God's sovereignty, then you have a very small God. You don't understand Him the way that you should. There is something wrong with your relationship with the Lord. And I find this so often when people are going through suffering, is that they're angry with God, and they will make those comments because God is not doing for them what they want him to do. And so sovereignty is very small in their lives. Suffering is very large, and their suffering is managing their so uh, the, uh, God's sovereignty. When your soul is going through trouble, are you anchoring your hope in God? Do you 
find comfort and help in knowing that he is always there. Question number two, suffering and sovereignty are always in play in your life. Which one has more power, suffering or God's sovereignty, as I've been outlining here? Number three, when the trial comes, does it overpower you or direct your mind to God's sovereign care in your life? I want to be careful here because I don't want to manipulate you or to bring any kind of guilt into your life that is not from the Lord because the truth is when difficulties do come in our lives, especially when the difficulties are deep or really disappointing, there are profound disappointments in our lives. Most of the time, we don't have a default response to where we immediately trust in the Lord. And so as you think about your latest disappointment, I don't want you to feel unnecessary guilt because of what I'm asking here. What I'm asking is when the trial comes, does it overpower you? Or does it direct your mind to God's sovereign care in your life? Sometimes we need a a period, an extended period, before we can reorient our minds back to God's good purposes in our lives. And so be careful how you judge yourself here, how you assess yourself. Maybe you didn't immediately have a knee-jerk, sovereign-centered response to the last difficulty in your life. I'm okay if you didn't. Honestly, I understand because I'm that way too. I experience some form of disappointment every every day, but some of those are bigger than others, and I fail at this often. And so the question is not, do you fail to reorient your mind to a sovereign-centered perspective, but do you get there somewhat quickly? Are you able to reorient your mind eventually that it doesn't linger in your life? That's what you're after. There are some people who have really been walking with the Lord for a long time, and and they're able to reorient their lives quickly. I'm just not that individual, and so I don't want you to feel any unintended guilt from me because you just don't get up off the floor as fast as you would like to. But ultimately, you have to get up off the floor. And so if you're going through a difficulty and suffering is pressing into your life, God is sovereign, and I don't mean that in a callous or a cliche way, but ultimately you know this. God is sovereign, and he is working his good purposes in your life. What will it take for you to reorient your mind to a gospel-centered understanding of what God is trying to purpose in your life? You will not get leave to steal quietly to heaven in Christ's company without a conflict and a cross. And it is imperative that we, the Christian community, come to grips with this idea of personal suffering. If we don't, we will find ourselves flattened out on the mat, never able to get up. I have gone through some significant difficulties in my life. For those of you who have been following me, you know that because you've read or listened to my content. But what I would appeal to you to do, because I have written these things down, and it seems to be the three books that I have published, it seems to be that the most popular book, which I'm a little bit surprised by, but as I reflect back on it, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but it is Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. Honestly, I think Change Me is the best book because it teaches the change process. 
That is the book. I wrote it first because it was the most important book because that is the question that people ask over and over again when they come to our ministry. How can I change? How can I help someone else change? How can we change? That question has been asked me for over a decade, and so I I wrote this book. I wanted to get it out for a long time, and I did. And then the second book I wrote was an autobiographical account of uh, what the Lord took me through as I spent the four years. I spent four years studying the book of Job, and I put those thoughts uh, in this book, Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing, and that is the book that we have received more feedback from, and I'm pleased with that. I'm not, disapp- <laughs> not disappointed, and I don't want you to hear that. I was just expecting the other book. Uh, and again, in my view, it's a better book, but I think what this says is that suffering Suffering is something that everybody experiences in an, in an acute way, a personal way, and it's something that they want to learn, not just learn about, but how to work through it. And it's so common uh, to all of our lives. And so I would encourage you to get my book, Suffering Well. You can go into our store. It's not a big book, you know, 180, 90 pages, whatever it is. It's not a big book, but it will help you as you walk through this idea of suffering. I promise you uh, that it will reorient your mind around this idea of suffering, and you will find encouragement as you study the book of Job, and as I have, what I've done is I've inserted my life into that narrative and had made it autobiographical. It will be an encouragement to you. What I want you to do as a response to this podcast is I want you to go to the article and answer these reflective questions that I'm asking you. I want you to work through them. I would love for you to work through them in the company of friends. I want you also to come to our website and to ask us questions, ask me questions, and let us serve you to navigate this. I just don't want to send this podcast on suffering out to you and and you have no way of engaging us and asking questions about it. So it's on you. If you want to talk, I encourage you to do that and we'll be waiting to hear from you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.